Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by Peak, where plants and science intersect. Unlock the power of functional plants and unleash our collective potential with supplements of unrivaled efficacy, purity, and convenience. Intermittent fasting can have powerful health benefits. You all know I talk about it on the show at length. I talk about it with my patients. I wrote about it in Intuitive Fasting. It's freaking amazing. Healthy weight management, improving your metabolism, brain health, and so much more. But it can also be challenging for some people to sustain. You might struggle with hunger, sugar cravings, fatigue and low energy, irritability and restlessness or trouble sleeping. Peak fasting teas are my secret weapon. They are specifically designed to shut down appetite and support energy and mood. Peak tea contains catechins to support healthy ghrelin levels to combat hunger pangs and also some caffeine and L-theanine for sustained energy and polyphenols to support healthy skin, metabolism, mood, and gut health. All this in flavors that won't break your fast with additional benefits. This is my routine. I'll break it down for you. In the morning, I have the bergamot black fasting tea. So good. It's gentler on an empty stomach and kickstart energy without jitters. You don't get the jitters that you get from coffee and other caffeinated beverages. And you also get antioxidants that feed the good gut bacteria and bergamot, which supports mood. In the afternoon, I'll have the ginger green or the matcha green fasting tea. I love them both. They support digestion and post-meal sleepiness. That's typically when I'm breaking my fast is around lunchtime. And in the evening, I'll have the caffeine-free cinnamon herbal fasting tea. So delicious. It fights sugar cravings and supports healthy blood sugar levels. All you have to do is go to peakd.com slash willcole and use code WILLCOLE at checkout to get 5% off site-wide plus free shipping when you purchase a fasting tea bundle, including my specially curated bundle with Peak. We have an intuitive fasting bundle with Peak. Check it out. That's peaktea.com. That's P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A.com slash Will Cole, all one word, and use code Will Cole, all one word, for 5% off site-wide plus free shipping when you purchase a fasting tea bundle.
There's a reason Peak has over 15,000 five-star reviews. Try it for yourself risk-free with their 30-day satisfaction guarantee. You either love it or you get your money back, but you're going to love it. Don't worry. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources for you as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, let's get to today's guest. He is a freaking brilliant human being. You're going to learn so much from him. His name is Todd White. He is an entrepreneur and founder of Dry Farm Wines. He's been in the wine industry for over 15 years, and he has dedicated his life to educating and helping people make better choices about food, nutrition, and how they think about consuming alcohol. You're going to be shocked about Todd's opinion about alcohol. You're going to be surprised because, hey, he's the founder of Dry Farm Wines. Well, just wait until you hear what he has to say about the alcohol industry and alcohol in general. Todd is deeply passionate about bringing people together to share love and laughter through natural wine and the health benefits it provides. We talk about so much. We talk about what he calls the dirty secrets of the wine industry and what they don't want you to know. We talk about the differences between natural and organic wine. We talk about what Dry Farm Wines is doing in the wine industry and how it's really changing it in amazing ways. And we talk about Todd's meditation practice and how he uses it to make the most out of his day and to support his health as well. And be sure to stay tuned through the entire conversation because at the end of the episode, I answer one of your burning health questions in another Ask Me Anything. All right, let's get to the conversation. Todd, you brilliant biohacker. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Dude, I have so much respect for your work and I'm super excited to be here and to talk all things biohacking, (laughs) fasting, meditation, wine. All the stuff. You just caught everybody's attention in about three seconds. This is going to be the episode for all of that stuff. Can you, we met on a panel. I obviously, I know your work very well and I love your company, but I got to really geek out with you on a panel that we did together not too long ago. And I really want people to learn about your work, your life. It's fascinating on so many different levels, but dry farm wines, let's start there. Tell me about the origin. How did you get in the wine industry, the business. Uh, Take me back to that time. Well, I've been a wine aficionado. I've been drinking wine since I was nine years old. 
And so I've had a lifelong love affair with wine, but wine and alcohol, and we'll talk about kind of our conscious approach to how we think about alcohol, because alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin and a lot of people shouldn't drink and at all, you know, and, and that surprises people. They think, oh, the wine guy's here to sell wine. I'm not here to sell wine. I'm here to educate people. And if you decide to drink, then you should make a conscious, mindful decision about how you drink and what you drink. And that's what we do. But how this got started was about six years ago, I started experimenting with therapeutic ketogenic diet. Today, uh, as you know from our prior conversation, I only eat once a day. So I've been doing 21 or 22-hour intermittent fasting for about four years now. But before that, I was experimented with a ketogenic, a therapeutic, what I call therapeutic ketogenic diet, where my ketone levels were consistently in 1.8 to 2.7 millimolar. And that's, as you know, a lot of fat and very low carbs and low protein. Today, I'm on what I would call a modified ketogenic diet, which is more similar to Atkins or, you know, not as quite a high level of fat. And the only reason for that, I enjoy the feeling I get from being therapeutic. It's just that I'm a hedonist. I love food and I love to eat, right? And the therapeutic ketogenic diet is not very interesting over time. And so, and it requires an extreme amount of kind of discipline and focus that mm -hmm. I personally don't find enjoyable mm -hmm. from a pleasure point of view. It's doable. And I did it for a couple of years. So but anyway, when I started experimenting with that, I found that my relationship with wine changed. And as you know, some people experience lower tolerance to alcohol when they go ketogenic and so on. So different people have different experiences with different diet protocols. And it could have been, I was just aging. I don't know, but my relationship with wine changed. I couldn't drink conventional wines, started to feel bad, brain fog. I didn't like, I just wasn't enjoying the experience. I quit drinking for a while and I didn't enjoy that either because I love wine. And so how Dry Farm Wines began was not as a business. It began as a personal pursuit for me to try to find a healthier way to drink mm -hmm. and still enjoy wine. And that's when I stumbled quite accidentally on the natural wine revolution. This was six years ago that was just getting underway in central France. Now, natural wine is a confusing term to consumers because they'll say, well, aren't all wines natural? And there are not for the reasons that we're going to discuss. But anyway, I stumbled upon the natural wine revolution, which is the way wines were made 100 years ago. And before chemical farming, before the additives that are put in wines, and before the technical processes that most conventional wines see that we believe create health problems with wine. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that, that sort of began and I stumbled into the natural wine revolution. And then I learned about all the things that were going on or what I call the dirty, dark secrets of the wine business. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is 76 additives that are approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Now you don't know about those 76 additives because the wine industry has spent millions of dollars in lobby money to keep contents label off of wine and nutritional information off of wine right? Because many wines contain sugar. Something mm -hmm. is, is a criterion I want to know, right? <laughs> so, um, because I don't want to be drinking sugar or eating it either. Or if I do, mm -hmm. I want to do it in a very intentional way. Mm -hmm. So I know exactly what I'm choosing, right? Yeah. And so, you know, then I began to understand 
And I live in the Napa Valley, which is the heart of the most important wine appellation in North America. Now, mm-hmm. I don't drink domestic wine for reasons we can discuss, but, yeah. Yeah. but even living here, most people in the wine industry don't know about these additives because they're just not talked about. Let's right? talk about them today. Can we go back to and unpack some of the things that you said, which will be bombshell information from many people that are new to this, this topic, alcohol as a neurotoxin coming from the, the wine man himself. Let's talk about that. What, what are people drinking when they have alcohol and they don't even know it? Well, here's the problem with alcohol. Look, we, most of us, many, the majority of people enjoy this mind-altering substance, right? That, and, and, and it has some health benefits as well which we can talk about that, but but alcohol in itself. So I'm a lifelong biohacker. I've been a serious biohacker for like two decades before biohacking was even biohacking. I was trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I didn't choose the path that a lot of people chose to make a business out of biohacking. I just talk about my story, right? Because it's a part of my wine story. And, but it's our lifestyle biohacking or the pursuit of an optimal health and wellness experience, uh, an optimal biological and neurological state, you know, is a passion and something that if you're going to take very seriously as a biohacker, you think a lot about it and it becomes a lifestyle. But, but the alcohol thing, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm a hedonist. I just love pleasure, right? I mean, I love to be, health is our greatest pleasure. I mean, health is the optimal pleasure that we can experience in our life, right? Because I like to say there's a proverb, the man who is well and healthy has a thousand wishes. Mm. The man who is unhealthy only has one wish, right? And so, mm. and so I, you know, I think a lot about that and a lot about the pursuit of pleasure and optimal health is the greatest pleasure. But alcohol is a slippery slope. Alcohol is what I call a domino drug. Cocaine's a domino drug as well. Now, what I mean by a domino drug is that the more you do it, the more you want to do more of it, mm. right? And so it's a slippery slope into a place that can become unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Now, as a biohacker and inside the biohacking world, and I know you're aware of this, the number one recommended drink of choice for biohackers is tequila. It's mm-hmm. a plant-based product. It is fine and triple distilled. It's clean, right? It's pure. I agree with all that. Mm-hmm problem is it's 45% alcohol. Right. And so the more we drink, the more likely we are to drink more. Now, if you believe that, and I do, then you want to start with a lower alcohol product, not a higher alcohol product. And your choices in lower alcohol are very narrow that are healthy, right? You got beer clearly out. Mm -hmm. You've got all these hard seltzers and kombuchas, which are primarily now factory products, right? Mm -hmm. Out. Um, And then you have wine and inside the wine world, you know, the options for lower alcohol wine are super limited because most wines are higher in alcohol. And then most wines are factory product. Mm -hmm. And why would I say it's a factory product? Well, to give you an example, what's happened in the wine industry is the same thing that's happened in the food industry. There's been massive corporate consolidation fueled by Wall Street money. This has been going on for about 30 years, really strong in the last 20. And so what's happened is this Wall Street money and these super big wine conglomerates have bought up all the other wine companies. 
what that's resulted in is 52% of the wines manufactured because they're in factories. 52% of the wines made in the United States are made by just three giant companies. Mm-hmm. And the top 30 companies make over 70% of U.S. wines. Now, you don't know that. Right. Again, it's a secret of the industry. You don't know that because they hide behind thousands of brands and labels. Now, by the way, everything I'm going to share with you, everything I have shared, additives, industry size, consolidation, all available on Google search. If you want to see the FDA approved wine additives, you just search FDA approved wine additives on Google and the government document will come up. Right. But to round out on alcohol, I I just think, you know, I just, I believe that regular wine drinkers, that's me. Most of them think they drink too much, Mm -hmm. right? And regular drinkers believe they drink too much, but they don't want to stop. And so I think if you're a drinker, particularly a regular drinker, not regular means several times a week to daily, right? Mm -hmm. I drink wine every day, unless I'm on an extended water fast, which I do once a month. Other than extended water fast, I typically drink wine every day. Now I drink very low alcohol wine, normally around seven or eight percent. Okay. We sell wines from six percent to as high as twelve and a half. Most of the wine I drink is between seven and eleven percent. Okay. Those wines are not available in the marketplace. So I mean unless you get them from us. Most of them are made especially for us. We don't make them, but they're made by small family farms who who pick the fruit at a time when the alcohol level, the sugars will be low. So the alcohol level when it ferments out is low. Right. And so I just think if if you're going to, I meditate every morning when I get up, I work out every morning when I get up. Right. I want to have a mindful, peaceful beginning to my day. Mm. And that means having a mindful and peaceful drinking experience the night before, including no sugar, lower alcohol, no additives. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I can sleep well, because, mm-hmm. you know, if we're not sleeping well, we're not aging well. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think alcohol is just something that we need to think about. We need to think about, like, what is the long term impact of my wellness here? How is this going to affect the gracefulness of my aging? Mm. How is this going to affect my risk of neurological decline, dementia, Alzheimer's? Right. Which we know and believe that excess alcohol abuse leads to neurological degeneration. So uh, while I sell wine and it is my business, it, I think it's more important charge for me to help people think about how to be mindful about it. Array was created to help people feel the best so they can be their best through targeted products, which are 100% natural, filler-free, organic, and formulated by a naturopathic doctor. Array's products work in under an hour so you can actually feel the results. The blow capsules are versatile because they can be taken anytime, whether you've had a plant-based meal or something heavier like a pizza or pasta. It optimizes digestion with the use of five really important herbs and a fruit-based digestive enzyme. And it's completely laxative-free and non-habit-forming, really important. The blow capsules were designed to give people food freedom and optimized health. Plus, Array's products are as efficacious as they are chic. Go to Array.com and use code WILL at checkout for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off first month on subscription. That's Array, A 
A-R-R-A-E.com and use code WILL, W-I-L-L, for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off first month on subscription. As the weather changes and cold and flu season approaches, I'm doing everything I can to make sure I stay healthy. That's why I use Be Immune Propolis Throat Spray. It keeps me in tip-top shape. I'm consulting people 10, 11 hours a day at my functional medicine telehealth center, and I'm doing the podcast as well. I'm talking a lot. I'm expending a lot of energy. This spray is a game changer for me. I take Be Immune Propolis Throat Spray as a daily ritual to support my immune system. And when I'm having a scratchy throat or I'm feeling a little run down, I double the dose. It's so good. It's easy to use. It's effective. And you can bring it everywhere with you. And it tastes delicious. Just four sprays daily supports immune health and helps keep me feeling my best all the time. What I love about Beekeepers Naturals is that they have clean and effective products that actually work. They are third-party tested for all pesticides, and they're dedicated to sustainable beekeeping and helping save the bees, and they are female-founded, all really important for me. Propolis is made, if you didn't know this, by bees, and it's backed by so much science. Bee Propolis acts as the bee's medicine, and it also contains vitamin Bs, vitamin C, zinc, and over 300 beneficial compounds and minerals that are amazing for the human immune system. Propolis is the defender of the hive, and bees use it to protect their hive from any bacteria that might harm them. It's the hive's immune system. Think of it like that. Beekeepers Naturals products are made with clean ingredients. They are certified keto, certified paleo, gluten-free, and natural. They are always third-party tested and free of artificial colors, preservatives, fillers, alcohol, gluten, GMOs, pesticides, and refined sugars. Today, Beekeepers Naturals is offering you an exclusive offer. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash or enter code Will Cole to get 25% off your first order. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash Will Cole. Or enter code Will Cole with no space, all one word, my name. Start feeling better every day today. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I'm Victoria Garrick, former Division I athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. A few things that you said that I will really want to hear the answer to is why don't you drink domestic wine? And then in addition to what you've already touched upon, the difference between natural wine and conventional wine and this term biodynamic, what, is, what does that mean? I know there's a lot of questions in one, but sure. let's start with domestic. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll start with the domestic. Simply, we would love to sell U.S. products uh, in support of local farmers, the, the problem is there are no U.S. wines made that meet our criteria of health and purity. Now, why is that? The primary reason is irrigation. 
name of our company is Dry Farm Wines. What does dry farming mean? That means that we do not allow the use of any irrigation in farming of the grapevines that grow our grapes. The grapevines that grow our grapes annually, by not using any irrigation, save 16 billion gallons of water a year. That's just on the farms we work with. So we don't allow irrigation. U.S. vineyards, more than 99%, over 99% of U.S. vineyards are irrigated. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first problem, irrigation. Um, takes almost everyone else out. Number two, American wine styles. It's a style of winemaking, the style of wine growing. They're too high in alcohol. So there are virtually no American wines at 12.5% or below. Most are at 14, 14 15%, 15.5%, 15.5%. Another little secret of the wine business, by the way, most people don't think to look at alcohol in a wine bottle. They, it just doesn't occur to them how much alcohol is in it. But it makes a huge difference between 12% and 15%. Trust me, huge difference. Not only in the way you feel, but also in the way the product tastes. Because alcohol adds heat and density to wine. And when you remove it, you get a lighter, fresher, more food-friendly wine. You drink our wine, so you, mm-hmm. you, you know the taste difference. Mm-hmm. So American wines, because they're higher in alcohol, they don't meet our qualifications. And th- that higher alcohol is, again, it's a winemaking style that's very popular in America. And then number three is price. Because American vineyard land is so expensive, driven by, again, these Wall Street and venture capital types who want to own a winery, and so they drive the cost of vineyard properties up, right? Mm-hmm. And because then the wines are not approachable from a price point of view. All of our wines sell for exactly the same price. They're $25 a bottle, which is a great value for a handcrafted raw natural wine. Mm-hmm. But there are no U.S. wines that are organic dry farmed, lower in alcohol, <laughs> and priced at $25 or below. It's just, mm. they don't exist. Anything wow. at that price or below is a factory product and is industrial farm. You can't even buy, an, forget whether, we're going to talk about natural next, but forget whether it's a natural wine or not. Just because it's organic doesn't mean it's natural. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Okay. But you can't even buy an organic wine in the United States for $25, right? So that's the reason we don't sell U.S. wines. Uh, most of our wines are second and third generation wine growers or small family farms. They've owned the land for maybe 50, hundred years. Wow. Right. And so they don't have the same capital cost basis. They're mm-hmm. also not profiteers. These are activists and hippie farmers <laughs> right, who are living a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Right? They live a lifestyle that's reflective of their morality and their beliefs about how to treat the earth and about how to preserve living soil and how to have that soil be alive and vibrant for their children, Mm. right? And how to have a farm that is devoid of chemicals for their children. That's what they're thinking about. And they're thinking about just living this life. Most of them, and this is a way of life. You see some of it in the U.S. occasionally, but this is a way of life that these, these people, they, most everybody in the family works on the farm. The farms are typically very biodiverse. We're going to talk about biodynamics in a moment. Those are two different things. But but most are very biodiverse. They eat primarily what they grow or make on the farm or the farm of their neighbors. Like oftentimes their neighbor might make cheese or, you know, so they share things between the farms. This is a way of life that has 
gone past this that most people don't know about. I wouldn't even know about it if I didn't travel and see it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And experience it. You know, when you sit down for an Italian lunch at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon that goes until dark. Right. And it's just like all of these things that, you know, the 90 year old grandmother is cooking for you. And it's just like, you know, it's an extraordinary experience. Yeah. And this is the way these people live. Children running around virtually no clothes on and so on. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just kind of natural. Yeah. But that's the reason we don't sell U.S. wines because they're it. just not, just not available. What countries is this in France, Italy? Where is it at? So most natural wines in the world are grown across Europe. France is the largest producing country. France is also the first country, thankfully, that is about to certify what a natural wine is. Oh, great. We're going to talk about what natural wine is next. Yes, we're right. going to talk about that certification. But France is kind of the birthplace. And France is where you have the highest concentration of natural wine. But natural wine still makes up less than one-tenth of 1% 1 of the wine produced in the world. It's a wow. very, very tiny thing. And it's quite rare. And there's just not very, it's about 1,500 farmers in the world. Hmm. So France, all across Europe, Italy is number two, Austria, Germany, but all across Europe. And then there are five, only five natural wine growers. We have five natural wine growers in South Africa. And it's worth noting to tell you how rare this is. South Africa is the eighth largest wine producing country in the world. And there are only five natural wine producers there. Hmm. One, it's a huge industry for South Africa, but only five natural wine producers. And then we have a handful of producers in South Africa, primarily in uh, Uruguay and, and Chile. Oh, it's South America. So, Great. But, but let's talk about natural wine for a second. Yeah, let's do it. Natural wine, again, is a confusing term to consumers because they're like, well, aren't all wines natural? For some of the reasons we've already discussed, they're not. Mm -hmm. Right. But a natural wine is defined as the following. It's organic or biodynamically grown. And biodynamic farming is a prescriptive, advanced form of organic farming. It includes farming by lunar cycles. It's mm. one of the predominant cornerstones of biodynamic farming. It was created by Rudolf Steiner in 1925 in response to the advent and introduction of chemical farming. So it was really in the 1920s that chemical farming really started to, to take off. Okay. And we started to diverge from a polyagricultural environment, which is biodiversity, where you're, you have orchards and animals and bees and, you know, you, you, you have a, a, a waterfowl and you have a biodiverse polyagricultural farm. Okay. That's when we started with chemicals and the advent to mono agricultural farming, which is a single crop mm -hmm. with no other biodiversity grown year after year. Corn, Chemical soy. Filling the soil, yeah. right? That's what's happened today. That re represents the majority, the vast majority of all the farming in the world today. Right. It's killing the planet. It has killed those soils and it takes you know, it, it, it can take five to 10 years to begin to regenerate those dead soils that have been killed by, you know, Roundup or glyphosate or, you know, all kinds of industrial farming outside of just herbicides and pesticides. So, but natural farming, natural wine 
always organic or biodynamically grown. Number two, this is very important, and this is what separates most organic wines from natural wine. So remember, all natural wines are always organic. Not all organic wines are natural. And here's the number two reason for that. Natural wines are always fermented with wild indigenous native yeast. Conventional mm. wines are always fermented with genetically modified lab-grown yeast. Now, we don't really know what that means to our health. Mm. We do know what it means to the flavor of the wine. And we do know what it means to, to the taste of the wine. Right. But we don't, nobody knows what it means from a health point of view. So I'm not making an assertion about that because nobody really knows. But for me, I'd rather drink the natural product that is fermented with wild indigenous yeast. And that's what does that mouthful mean? Well, on the exterior of every wine grape in the world at the time of harvest is a white, waxy film. You can scrape it off with your fingernail. That's yeast. Okay. And that yeast is collected naturally through the air. And that's all that's required to make wine, right? Nothing else is required. If you pick a cluster of ripe grape berries and you just throw them forcefully in a bucket and the skins break open, they'll begin to ferment. Mm -hmm. I mean, as long as the temperature is high enough to activate the yeast, which that time of the year it always is, right? So living in Napa in late September through most of October, you can actually smell what smells like wine in the air it's actually fermenting fruit that's fallen onto the ground mm -hmm. that wasn't harvested or was cut off as, you know, undesirable. Mm. So fermented with these wild indigenous native yeast and number three, they're additive free. So they don't contain any of the 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Mm -hmm. And in fairness, some of those additives are natural. Some of them are not right. And so and some are toxic, mm -hmm. right? The problem is, and if you want to drink dimethyl dicarbonate as an example, which I think is the most toxic of all the additives, mm -hmm. right? If you choose to drink that, I celebrate your freedom of choice. But the problem is you don't have a choice because you don't have the knowledge. It's not, it's not there. It's not on the label. There's no contents label. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, and let me get to one thing before we move off a of natural wine. There is currently no certification for what a natural wine means. I just told you what they mean. And it's an international understanding of that of people in the business. France will be the first country next year to certify a natural wine. And at Dry Farm Wines, we have a certification that we stand behind, the seal, that's over and above just natural. So, of all the things that we just talked about, what a natural wine is, we require all that. In addition to, we require irrigation-free farming, which not all natural wines are irrigation-free. Most are, but not all. Number two, we require the wine be sugar-free, and we lab test for that, right? So you can't taste, you can't all, in a sweet wine, you could taste sugar. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in, in a medium-bodied wine, you wouldn't necessarily taste sugar but I don't want, the only way to know if it has sugar in it is lab tested. Mm -hmm. And to give you an example, how important that is to us and why we think it's important. We, last year, we tested the top 20. And this again, it's easy to find on the internet, the top 20 best-selling wines in the United States. And only two of the 20 qualified for what we call sugar-free. And so that's how prevalent sugar is in wow. wine. But you wouldn't have any way of knowing that yeah. Unless you lab tested. 
So now dessert wines, of course, you know, they're full of sugar. They taste sweet, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about like wines you just get in the store. You wouldn't know whether it contains sugar or not right. because the acid level is so high. Same thing if you were to look at a cola and you see 32 grams of sugar in it, but it doesn't taste that sweet because mm-hmm. of the ascorbic acid is so high, mm-hmm. right? Just like making lemonade, right? It starts mm-hmm. out so sour. You have to add a lot of sugar before it starts to taste sweet. Yeah. So that's the difference in sort of natural versus con- conventional wine and conventional wine. You've got this, you know, GMO yeast, you've got industrial poisonous and toxic farming. You've got all kinds of flavors and additives, color agents that are commonly added. So Americans, there's 76 of these additives, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, stabilizer, body enhancers, color enhancers. Americans believe that the darker a red wine is, the higher the quality. It's just a myth that Americans have. Every single person, oh, I want that big dark red, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, in order to get that wine dark like that, there's a couple of methods to get there, but one of them is pouring in an additive that makes the wine super dark. And you've probably seen, you wouldn't see these from our wines, because they're not made in this way, but you've probably seen people get purple teeth. Right. Or, you know, from that's generally from an additive. This hmm. natural wine won't do that to your teeth. You don't get purple lips and purple teeth because it doesn't have that kind of, it doesn't have that concentration of color in it. So was there Fascinating. a third question? No, you touched on all of it brilliantly. I mean, I know people are eating this up or drinking this up as it were, but let's talk about, you drink wine every night, you said. How much wine are you drinking a night? And is that what you, what do you find is best for you? What do you enjoy the most? Well, see, it's different. Everybody's different. Everyone's different. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that's the same thing, Will, for fasting. Yeah. Uh, keto. You know, any any kind of protocol that that might work for you doesn't work for somebody else. Right. Or what works for them might not work for me. And that's the reason I think that self-quantification and testing and the panel we were on as you know, was about wearing continuous glucose monitors, which I wear from time to time, but I don't really need one because my glucose stays steady all the time. Yeah. And so I I think, you know, if we really want to be serious about expanding our wellness, we have to experiment with what works for us. Yeah. And so there's some general rules that generally work for most people, as you know, and you've written about them and I agree with them, but for me, I drink plus or minus a bottle a night. And that's typically over a three-hour period. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, sit down and drink a bottle. It's with my dinner. I only eat at night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I typically eat before I start drinking or get something to eat before I start drinking. I don't like to drink on an empty stomach and having fasted the whole day. Right. And what's the ranges of the alcohol again? You, you told us earlier, but... well. For what I do, yeah, is generally seven to eleven percent. That's generally what I do, and we're about to introduce a, a new, a new category of ultra low alcohol natural wine that's been infused with wild botanicals. Yes, so I'm excited to try that. Yeah, it's coming out uh, next week. Okay, and it's called Bolixer, which stands for botanical elixir. It's not really a wine. It's this really fascinating infusion of very, very low natural wine, alcohol, natural wine, around 6%, and then infused with wild 
organically grown botanicals like dandelion and mint and elderflower. And last year, the only one we did, we've been working on this project in Austria with a young couple for three years. Last year, we released the first of, we didn't have much of it and it sold out really quickly. We released an elderflower sparkling wine and it was six and a half percent alcohol. People loved it. And so, see, here's the thing. I love wine and I love drinking and I just don't like drinking too much. Mm-hmm. But then I don't want to have a glass of wine either. See, so, you know, you read these recommendations like, oh, have one glass or two glasses. I don't want one or two glasses. <laughs> and most of my friends don't either. Like, <laughs> I want to drink and party for like, you know, a few hours. And it's fun. Watch a movie, you know, do whatever. I want to like enjoy every night, right? But yeah. then I want to go to bed and I want to sleep well. And then I want to wake up fresh. So yeah. I'm trying to kind of have it all. Yeah, it's not either or. It's both and with yeah, what you've so done. So for me, about a bottle a night. My patients will often ask me whether they're doing some intermittent fasting or they're not. They really are um, wanting some healthy snack ideas. Maybe they're busy at work or maybe it's that two or three o'clock in the afternoon snack craving that some people have and they want something healthy. And I believe me, I've tried a lot of so-called healthy snacks out there, but I've found most of them are either very tasteless or taste freaking horrible, or they're loaded with sugar or empty calories and leave you hungry again 20 minutes later, which is why I was so excited when I found Paleo Valley's 100% grass-fed beef sticks. They're made with 100% grass-fed and finished beef, plus certified organic spices for a delicious and filling protein snack. I keep one in the glove box of my car, in my bag when I'm traveling, when I'm consulting patients, it's very convenient and tastes so good. Plus, Paleo Valley beef sticks are naturally fermented, so they have a long shelf life without the use of harsh chemicals. And what's really cool is this natural fermentation causes gut-friendly probiotics in the sticks. So you're helping to heal your gut and properly digest all the beneficial protein and nutrients with every bite. Plus, they are, of course, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO. And they're perfect for anyone on a low-carb or sugar-free diet or if you're just looking to eat cleaner because they are carb-free and every flavor is sugar-free with the exception of teriyaki, which has only two grams of organic honey, which is so good. They come in five different delicious flavors, so there's one for everyone in the family to enjoy. My personal favorite is jalapeno. I love the jalapeno one and I love the teriyaki. Those are two of my favorite ones. The jalapeno one has just the right amount of spice and has chunks of real jalapeno. Yes, please. With over 10 million sold and a five-star rating on Amazon, they only continue to grow in popularity. If you want to find out what all the hype is about, go to paleovalley.com and use my code Dr. Will for 15% off your order. And thanks to their 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee and excellent customer service. I know these people personally. They are so kind, amazing people. You can basically try these risk-free today. Go to paleovalley.com and use the code Dr. Will. That's D-R-W-I-L-L, all one word, no punctuation, Dr. Will, for 15% off today. Dosis Health is an award-winning modern wellness brand that focuses on natural quality of life wellness solutions. 
Dosis Health offers an advanced assortment of plant-based CBD products designed to help address specific needs like sleep, calm, and relief. And I know from my patients and talking to people on social media and everybody that listens to the podcast, a lot of people are looking to optimize those things. And Dosis Health really has some very smart, very effective products. If you're like me and many Americans who are trying to optimize their sleep, or you're looking for less anxiety in your day, you'll be very excited about Dosis Health's latest additions to their product lineup, their new CBD Plus gummies. The Dosis Health Sleep Gummies in Blackberry Lavender will quickly become your bedside go-to. With a powerful blend of CBD and slumber-inducing CBN, these gummies are both delicious and fast-acting to help you get disease you've been looking for. The Dosis Health Calm Gummies in Lemon Balm Citrus helps to melt the stress away. With a precise blend of CBD and CBG, these fast-acting gummies help lower the volume and brighten your day. All Dosis Health Gummies are vegan, non-GMO, and made with natural flavors. I've been loving both of these. Really good. They sent me them in the mail. I've been trying them over the past few weeks, and they taste really good, and they're very effective. Find the new CBD performance gummies and the whole Dosis Health lineup today at dosishealth.com and use promo code WILLCOLE for 20% off your purchase now through the end of the year. Again, use promo code WILLCOLE, all one word, W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E, for 20% off your purchase now through December 31st of 2021, and that's dosishealth.com, D-O-S-I-S-T health.com, and use code WILLCOLE for 20% off. I want to touch on your your journey with meditation. On this panel, I was really fascinated to hear about this, and I want to go even deeper with a day in the life of what your routine looks like, this biohacking extraordinaire that you've really honed in on your body and what works for you. And that's such a heart of functional medicine. It's bioindividuality. And you've touched upon this, but let's start with meditation because you wake up early in the morning and meditation is a first part of your day. Can we walk through that? It It is sort of, I'll just take you through the, the morning of. Let's do right? it. I also spend my company at Trifarm Wines. We also meditate for an hour together every day from 10 to 11 in the morning. And then we start creating what we call work. We start creating sometime a little after 11. Uh, we don't even, we don't congregate or meet until 10 because I believe everybody should protect their morning for a peaceful practice. And I don't work with people who are getting up at 930 to come and work at 10. You know, they're getting up at five or six and they have fitness practices and their own, most of them have their own individual meditation. But just to start off real quickly. So I, at home, I have sort of a biohacking world here. Right. So uh, with all of the cold plunge, infrared sauna, steam room, red light therapy, hot tub, Japanese cedar hot tub, no chlorine, all natural. Right. So here's Mm -hmm. here's my morning. And I think this is really, really important. The very first step, really important. In fact, I gifted a Theragun to everybody at my office. The very first thing when I get up, which is about 530 in the morning is I go into my gym and I do a full body session with Theragon, maybe 10, 12 minutes. Very first thing, 
Then I get in an inversion table for about three minutes where I Theragun again. And for people that don't know, Theragun is, could you describe it for people? Theragun is a highly vibrating massage tool, but it's mm-hmm. more than a massage tool. It's a very therapeutic. It's powerful. It's, powerful. it's a very powerful yeah. therapeutic. Yeah. looks like a gun that uh, I'd show it to you, but it's in my gym right now. <laughs> I actually have a pair of them. I have one too. They're amazing. They are great. It's a great way to get my morning started. From there, I get in the hot tub for about 10 minutes at 104 degrees. And from there, I get in my steam room where I shower and shave and like have a steam. From there, I meditate for 30 minutes. This whole routine in the morning takes me about three hours to get through the whole thing. So I meditate, which I believe meditation is the foundation of a health and well life, period. Like, I think it's the most important practice an adult can have. I don't care what your condition is or what your pursuit of health and wellness is, or who you are. Mm-hmm. If we can stop the trauma of thinking, or learn to manage the trauma or injury to our thoughts, right, mm-hmm. which then injure ourselves. And meditation, from my perspective, is the most effective way to manage the trauma of thinking. Mm-hmm. Right? And for people that are new to this, what, what do you mean by trauma of thinking? Do you just mean? Well, trauma is injury, mm-hmm. right? And so most of us spend much of our day injuring ourselves with thoughts that are not relevant, Mm -hmm. right? They're not used for what I would call constructive thinking. So sometimes in meditation, I'll come upon a creative thought of something that's constructive, right, to my life. And I'll allow that thought to sort of to blossom in meditation, even though my goal was silence in meditation. But if it's a constructive thought... I'll sometimes let that blossom because I'll have an epiphany or I might come up with, you know, something in that free silent space. that's really interesting. However, if it's a non-constructive or a traumatic thought, those thoughts consist of two things. One regrets of the past. And number two, and more importantly, number two is anxiety of the future. Yeah. So most people, their trauma is around anxiety of the future. It's not really regret of the past, although that can be common for some people. When we're having anxiety around the future, and that I don't mean around the future necessarily, I mean around anything in the future. Mm-hmm. It could be like, oh, you know, what does this person think of me? Or yeah. what's or, going to happen? About me? I wonder if they know that I think X. Or this is just like, you know, this trauma of thinking of the, around mm-hmm. the anxiety, what's going to happen tomorrow? Is everything going to be okay? This is how many of us spend. Actually, we're, we're designed, our DNA is designed to protect us, yeah. right? That we, were, we, we evolutionarily, this was useful for us to be concerned about walking around every corner mm-hmm. or stepping into the next field, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're wired to be concerned about our, our, our next step. Mm-hmm. But in the world that we live in today, we don't have those same risks, mm-hmm. right? And so we benefit the most by spending the most amount of time in the present moment. Now, how do you process that? You know, we have a whole podcast on this, but as an entrepreneur or like you with the type A personality, we want to make change in the world and we want to create a greater world and we want to make greater contributions. Well, we can't like just mock out all the time. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and just sit in, a, just sit in a meditation yeah. uh, room it, all day. It sounds amazing, but I right. wish I could, it'd be great, but yeah, right. it doesn't satisfy my need to create change in the world. Right. It doesn't satisfy my need to create things that I think are wonderful. Right. So what I do is balance between the present moment and 
the moment of silence every morning and learning how to control the non-constructive thoughts so that I can make more space for the constructive ones that allow me to create. Mm-hmm. So, so what does the meditation- is that, is that helpful? Oh, I love this. This is, this is meditative in and of itself, just hearing you talk about it. Can you go back? What does the meditation look like for you? There's many types of meditation. People are probably wondering, what's he do? What's he do for that? Well, for me- I, For me, it's just a silent meditation. I use a meditation music track. And the reason I use that because music or sound is an anchor. Mm -hmm. So there are anchors are how do I use tools to silence my thinking and find silence in my space and, and, and the sound or music in my case, it's not really music. It's kind of rhythms or tune. Mm -hmm. I use that for two reasons. One music is, or sound is an anchor. Following our breath is the most common anchor, Mm -hmm. right? So paying attention and following our breath, Mm -hmm. which leads us down the path away from thinking, right? Listening to a sound leads us anchors away from thinking. Mm -hmm. And again, there's two types of thoughts. So I'm not necessarily trying to devoid all thinking. Mm -hmm. If it's a constructive and creative thought that I'm enjoying that journey, I will let that flow. If it's a a non-constructive thought, some kind of anxiety, usually, then mm-hmm. I push that gently away, mm-hmm. right? And and just I just let it float away. Mm-hmm. But so I use this music for two reasons. One is an anchor. Number two, it's timed. Mm-hmm. So my meditation track is twenty-eight minutes. I also use the same track every single day. So once I go into that music track, I'm dropping into my state of meditation. It's the same track. I meditate if I'm at home in the same chair in the same place every day. Mm-hmm. And that routine is important to help anchor us away from that thought. So my track is 28 minutes. So because if you don't have some kind of a timer, if you will, and I don't really want to wake up at the end of my meditation to an alarm. Mm-hmm. So I use music instead. You're you're going to be thinking, what time is it? How long have I been in? Mm-hmm. Right. That's just going to be some other distraction to your yeah. silence. So I just, I, I just use, um, what, what's the song? What is that people are going to You know, it's something I got off of YouTube. I don't okay. even know what it is. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's you know, a meditation track I got off of YouTube. I love it. So, so it's, it was, it's nothing like super special to you. Just like- I like do it. Wim Hof breathing okay. at the beginning of my meditation every morning. I do okay. three sets of Wim Hof breathing. For those who don't know what it is, Wim Hof is also known as the Iceman and mm-hmm. has the world record for- the longest submersion in ice and the longest submersion under ice water. And it's really this interesting Dutch guy who I've trained with three times, but I start off not with the full uh, five or six cycles of Wim Hof, but I start Mm -hmm. off with three cycles of Wim Hof breathing, which is really long inhale exhales, Mm -hmm. a belly breath for about 30 to 50 cycles. It sounds like this. Right. And then their breath holds after that. If you want to know how to do it, just look Wim Hof up online, but it's super simple. And then I go in, which takes me about eight or 10 minutes. And then I go into a silent meditation uh, for the remainder of my time after that. And what I like about the Wim Hof, it makes me feel better. I, I like expanding my lungs and sort of, you know, breathing is autonomous. So when we take an, an, an intentional control of our breath, right? And breathing, mm-hmm. then we get amazing benefits from that. We can mm-hmm. expand our lungs and we can teach ourselves to become stronger with it. Mm-hmm. So, but the other reason I love it 
And the only reason I love to introduce it to people who are just starting meditation is because when you're doing heavy breath work, mm-hmm. one thing is for sure, you are not thinking about anything, right? <laughs> you were thinking about focusing on that breath. Yeah. Right. And so that gets your meditation off to a great start because you're going to begin the first eight or so minutes with guaranteed no thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're going to be thinking about the intensity of that breath work. Wow. So you mentioned it being the single most important cornerstone thing that people do for their wellness. What changes have you noticed since you've been consistently showing up to this meditation practice? Well, that the list is long. Yeah, I want to know. People want to know. Start like, with inflammation. Okay. You know, because like you, I believe that inflammation is a, you know, is a deadly thing and a cornerstone of everything that becomes chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And so stress is one of our greatest contributors to inflammation. Mm-hmm. Uh, improved memory, peace in your life, right? And so I firmly believe that when you live a peaceful life, you open up the channels to receive your birthright abundance. Mm. The problem is we're not receiving our abundance because we spend most of our day creating resistance to it through fear and anxiety. And that fear and anxiety is blocking the reception of our birthright abundance. And that abundance is peace and love, prosperity, if that's what you want. Mm. Right. And so Everybody has, again, a different idea of what abundance means to them. But what I can tell you for sure, and I'm absolutely certain of this and have seen evidence in my life and many others, that when we have a life filled with anxiety and fear and drama, we are creating the resistance that blocks the natural energy of abundance that we should receive. This is good. And then, you know, and there's just overall wellness and a feeling of balance and what I call harmony and alignment, right? Until we have harmony and alignment, we're creating resistance. Yeah. And resistance blocks the abundance that we are due if we just tap into the connected source energy, which is all around us. Yeah. Nature is connected. These natural farmers that I spend time on these, they know everything in nature is connected. Right. And that every cause has an effect. The same thing is true. And the earth's been a couple billion years figuring out those causes and effects and how to keep them balanced. What we've done as humans is create an imbalance. Right. And so primarily driven by power and greed. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to peace and acceptance. Mm -hmm. So if we're at peace then we can receive the abundance that I believe is our birthright as Mm -hmm. animals, as a part of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. If we're peaceful, it's just, it's just the creation. Most resistance, most people create war is resistance. There are more extreme form violence or more extreme forms of resistance. But for most people, their resistance is anxiety. Yeah. And not making friends with the present moment seeing right. it as an obstacle or an enemy or some, something to get through to the, the but day. But then again, for, look, for achievers like us, you still, you have to separate. Yeah. You can't go into this present moment, you know, willy-dilly kind of thing all the time. It's just like, <laughs> you've got to be able to, what meditation does is teach you to separate yeah. and control the non-constructive trauma from the creative, constructive contributions. Yeah. Well, you can operate more intentionally, I think, when you have that awareness and be able to separate the two. 
No question about it. Can oh you, gosh, we're way up on time. Yeah. What, I, I, what we, else? We still have some time. I want to, I want to go into, before we go, this OMAD. You are fasting throughout the day. You're breaking your fast. What's, what are you doing during your OMAD fast? What, what have you found to be helpful to make that OMAD fast the best? Well, let's talk just quickly my fasting journey. So I started six years ago with the lean gains, 16, eight, eating two meals a day, mm-hmm. eating 18 hour, one or two o'clock and okay. then around six, eight hour eating windows, 16 hour, fast. eight hour. Eating yeah. Windows. yeah. I did that for about two years. And a lot of times, and this is common, particularly for people who are ketogenic or modified keto. You know, sometimes you just forget to eat, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not hungry, yeah. right? So you just forget to eat. You're not end up eating just once a day anyway. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, exp- and I would feel better. For me, I just feel better not eating. Because when I eat in the middle of the day, it slows me down. Mm-hmm. And I just just don't feel as good. I don't enjoy it. And I, this reason I would never go back. I'm never tempted. I don't think about eating again other than once a day. But I will tell you this, it took six to eight weeks for me to acclimate emotionally to eating once per day. You know, everything centers around food in our world, or many things do. Mm-hmm. And so, and social, meet me for lunch, or let's go this, that, or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's grab a bite, you know. Yeah. And it's particularly difficult for most people because they're surrounded I'm very lucky because I live in a world that supports who I am and the people I work with have my lifestyle and I don't, you know, nobody's bringing cake to the office, (laughs) right. Or anything like that. So I'm very lucky in that my whole home life is structured around the way I live. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't live with anyone and it's it's very easy for me. And my dating life is surrounded with people who are like me. Mm -hmm. Right. So but for me, it was a more of an emotional acclimation to stop eating. Now it's just the opposite. There's no way I would ever return to it because I feel so bad when I do eat now, which has been a few times in the last few years, because I had to. It was just socially convenient, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but it's super, super rare and I don't enjoy it at all. But sometimes if you're at some Italians, right, they don't understand that I don't want to eat their food, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Mean, it's just too complicated to try to describe it to them (laughs) because they don't even never heard of fasting. Right. Right. So, but anyhow, so I drink uh, very lightly steeped green tea and water throughout the day. I stopped drinking coffee a couple of years ago and just because I felt that caffeine was too high for me. Although caffeine is a hunger suppressant. So if you're, you know, want to experiment with fasting, then caffeine is certainly helpful with that. Mm Mm-hmm. But breaking my fast, it's pretty normal stuff. It's plants and protein. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. about it too intentionally. I don't, I don't have this grand plan of breaking mm-hmm. my fast every day or even when I'm doing extended fast, you know, for three to seven days, I don't have some grand breaking strategy. I mm-hmm. mean, as many people do, I, I just don't think about it. That I eat yeah. well. I break with plants and clean protein. And uh, I generally find I feel better if I have a, majority plant-based diet, you know, I just feel that I can just feel that I feel better. Mm -hmm. But if people want to experiment with intermittent fasting, I think one way, and I know you'll agree with this because I know you're a proponent of this. I think one way to experiment with intermittent fasting without just going all the way in is to use bone broth. Mm -hmm. Because 
The other thing I think uh, approaching fasting intermittently or extended day is live a at least modified or keto lifestyle a few days before experimenting with it, right? Because your glycogen levels are going to decrease and you're going to be at least have a greater chance of not getting hangry, mm-hmm. you know, from needing to feed your brain, you know, the next sugar fix. Mm-hmm. So if you go low carb, at least for a few weeks before starting to experiment with either intermittent or extended day fast, mm-hmm. I think it's just a lot easier because you don't, it's, man, it's tough when that sugar's hitting on your brain. Yeah. You know? Are you, are you eating until satiety within that two to four hour eating window or what does that look like? Well, when you eat, my experience anyway, when you only eat once per day, you actually eat less, not more. Mm-hmm. And your stomach actually shrinks over time. So it takes very little to satisfy me. I generally eat more than I need to to be satisfied because I'm interested in the pleasure of it. Yeah. I'm a hedonist, you know, I like pleasure. And so, but I typically eat like most people do, I eat more or less the same things day in and day out. Like what's a typical, like like the, you bed plants and some protein. What does a a good old break the fast meal look like for you? Well, uh, depends on if I'm eating in or out. I eat out a lot. (laughs) All right. Unfortunately, because I live in Napa Valley, I live in this kind of farm to table community, you know, so I can get really, um, but I'll eat, you know, salads, arugula, olive oil. I'm a huge olive oil fan. Uh, so that gets me my fast. Well, most of my fat comes from olive oil, a little bit from butter. But salads, if I eat protein, like if I eat a burger, it's always cheeseless and bunless. It'll mm-hmm. just be a little patty and then some salad or coleslaw. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I eat pretty simple things. It's not, or if I'm in Europe and certain places, it can get a lot more exciting mm-hmm. when you can eat roasted vegetables and you're in Italy, you know, like roasted red pepper swimming in olive oil or you know, uh, artichokes, the, the Italians, you know, braise artichokes and then in walnuts and olive oil and Parmesan cheese. And, you know, I eat a little bit of cheese is really my only, my only dairy. I don't eat it intentionally, but when I find it, I eat it from mm-hmm. here and there. Mm-hmm. So this braised vegetables, you know, olive oil and olive oil is really important that you get super high quality oil and high quality oil is really difficult to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, one has to be fresh. If you need to drink all olive oil within a year of harvest, mm-hmm. right. Um, or it starts to, to degrade, but anyway, so, you know, just, I, I love vegetables and olive oil. Love it. Right? What, do you have a favorite olive oil brand that you use or? Well, the good news is we're about to start selling it. All right. Cause we couldn't, we couldn't get enough of it to, so the same farmers that make our wine, many of them also make oil. Oh, great. So I get all the oil I get, I get from the farmers that I work with wine on. Love that. They just send it to us for free, you know, as gifts. So that's where I've been getting my olive oil for the last few it. years. But now we'll be able to get some of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great. I think it comes out in uh, August. We start selling it formally. Great. Todd, this has been a wealth of information. I appreciate it. Anything you, you want to say to everybody before we... Before we wrap up? No, just, you know, love more. You know, I'll close with my favorite quote. Okay. And we quote this at my company all the time. And this quote's been attributed to everybody to boot at Abraham Lincoln, but forget about it, right? Mother Teresa. Uh, Yeah, so exactly. (laughs) But the quote goes like this. When we look back on a well-lived life, we're likely to find that three things were very important. 
how much we loved, how gently we lived, and how gracefully we release the things that are not meant for us. It's true. Beautifully said. My friend, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Peace out, brother. I appreciate it. If you want to learn more about Todd's amazing work with Dry Farm Wines, you can check it all out at dryfarmwines.com. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Dean. Dean asks, I would love a good, healthy, comfort food recipe. Great question, Dean. Well, I guess comfort food, it's its really subjective, I guess, what brings you comfort. But for me, one of the things that I would consider a comfort food is like a good bowl of cereal. Maybe it's nostalgic of like cereal growing up, like having the bowl of cereal on a Saturday morning. And I just think it's something easy, something delicious, and you can just have it anywhere. And there is actually a recipe in my newest book in intuitive fasting. That's a keto cinnamon granola cereal, which I think cinnamon, the taste of cinnamon, the flavor of cinnamon can be quite comforting as well. Uh, So this is actually on page 202 in intuitive fasting, my latest book. And we use chopped almonds, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, some avocado oil, cinnamon, of course, some like liquid stevia, like natural uh, low carb sweetener and some almond milk. Easy recipe, takes five minutes to make, super simple. So for all my cereal lovers out there, we have a great grain-free keto cinnamon granola cereal for you to add some almond milk or coconut milk, a milk of your choice, whatever you want to use uh, and have this great yummy granola. And for those of you, when you think of comforting food, it's not a cold bowl of cereal. I guess you could have hot, you could heat up the granola and do it that way. But if you're looking for something more like a soup, something warm, and that's comforting for you, I guess in my mind, I was thinking of what brings me comfort. But I guess when you think of the more traditional comfort food, maybe something warm and savory, there's another recipe in intuitive fasting called fresh ginger pumpkin bisque. It's so freaking good but we used two tablespoons of ghee or olive oil, some carrots, either chicken bone broth or vegetable broth if you want something more plant-based. We added curry, cumin, coconut milk, ginger, chives. So good, heated up. It's a warm, fresh ginger pumpkin bisque. Great for fall as well or any season, really. So there you go. You have a cold and a hot option for some of my favorite healthy comfort foods. Great question, Dean. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. 
If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.